Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to um, 1 Kings 17. I'll get there in a few minutes. Um, 1 Kings 17. Really looking forward to today. It was really just ironic. I think we had it was I think it was three weeks ago. We had a really great just service for declarations. Was it, it as before the encounter school? Everybody just kept getting into the declare. That was powerful. And the Lord really began to just to download this this word to me about declarations. It's actually one I've had for a while now, and I've actually shared part of this here, but it's kind of been upgraded. You know, it's like 2.0 today. Um, but I actually just was just waiting for the timing to deliver the word. I actually called Lee Wednesday morning, about 7.15 before his dad died. And I said, hey, do you have a word for the house? And he goes, not really. I said, well, I've got one. Can I share it? He goes, yeah, go for it. And he was a, an hour and a half later, two hours, he calls and says his dad passed away. So I, I just love how God can orchestrate things, how, how God does things. Um, so what I want to discuss today, guys, is I want to focus really on declarations and perception. Um, because what we're called to do as individuals, as, and as a house, declaration is powerful. I want to start with this thought this morning that's on the screen. Nothing happens apart from a declaration. When, when God made creation, he didn't think about creation. He actually began to declare what he wanted made. So in our lives, it's important we learn the um, the truth about declaring uh, what we say and what comes out of our mouth. Because here's the truth of the matter. For every one of our lives in here, God has a blueprint for it. I remember a few, about a month and a half ago, two months, I was with a pastor in Birmingham. And they had taken over the old Advocate building in Irondale. It's an amazing facility. It's Kingsway's Church and been building a relationship with this pastor for a number of years now. And um, years ago in this facility that's 44,000 square feet, um, they were going to build a prayer room uh, in, in, the, in the facilities. And uh, it was two well-known guys. Um, and the next day, they were scheduled to pick up a man by the name of Bob Jones. You may have heard the name Bob Jones, the tremendous prophet, um, who some people say is a heretic, and other people say he's a real father. And I think Bob was a real pioneer of what God was doing in the earth. But anyway, when these two guys had begun to lay out the dimensions of the prayer room, that night, and then the next morning they went and got Bob, and they didn't tell Bob what they were doing. And they picked up Bob from his uh, uh, hotel, and the first thing Bob said was, the prayer room is too small, guys. <laughs> he said, Jesus came to me last night and took me to the prayer room. And he said, it's not the one he has for this church in heaven. So Bob Jones went to this prayer room that they had built, and he began to walk it out according to the pattern that God had showed him in heaven. And that's really biblical. In Exodus 25, God gave Moses the blueprint for how to build the tabernacle. And what we have to understand in this is that God has a blueprint for our lives. God has a blueprint for this ministry. And all we have to do is learn how to position ourselves to see what he's doing and partner with it. And that's where declaration comes in at. Nothing, we have to get this started ahead. Nothing in the kingdom happens apart from a declaration. And another thought I want to just throw out this is this is that God just doesn't want us to co-labor with him. He actually wants us to learn how to co-create with him. He really does. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. Job 22, 28. You shall decree a thing and it shall be established. 
Numbers 14, 28, as you have spoken in my ear, so will I do. He's looking for people who learn how to live out of his reality and bring it into their day. Amen, Paul. And another key thought that's so vital about this is that declaration comes from not what you see, but by how you see. How many of you have been to a, a movie that was 3D? Now, if you had the glasses, you saw things coming at you that if you didn't have, you didn't see. What happened? Your perception was changed. And what issues like this, I think a second king sits when... Um, Elijah and the servant are surrounded by the, the horses and chariots. And the servant begins to cry out and say, there's more of them. And Elijah, Elijah prays and says, God, open his eyes that he may see. And God opens his eyes and he sees that there's a mountain full of angels and chariots of fire. God wants his reality to become our perception. We'll talk about that in a minute, later on, guys. But that's, for me personally, I've been in this place of, Lord, of, of saying, Lord, I want to see everything from your reality. I want to see everything in life, even the bad, from your reality. Why? Because then I can then respond correctly to it. The trouble with a lot of people with this is that we make self-fulfilling prophecies because things happen in our lives, and instead of seeing it for what it is, we come into agreement with it. And we wonder why we're broke. We wonder why we're this. We wonder why our families are falling apart because we keep speaking that thing over and over and over again. And then people say, well, I've tried being positive. Well, here's the issue. You have so much unbelief in your heart that you don't have any congruency with your speech. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to give you just a few points about declaration this morning, and then we're going to get into perception. First point is this. Declaration, and this should be on the screen. Back up, Nick. Declaration is the most powerful when we simply hear what God is saying, we route faith around it, and then we say it. It really is show and tell. I'm positioning myself to hear what God is saying because God's voice is creative. And because his voice is creative, I simply want to hear what he's saying and I want to come into agreement with it. Verse Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, chapter 18, verse 1. Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the face of the earth. What happens? Elijah comes into agreement with the word of the Lord. Why? Because he knew according to Deuteronomy 28 that when there was rebellion in the land, rain was shut off. He positioned himself to come into alignment with what the word of the Lord said. That's how come he could speak and say there won't be any rain. Why? Because you're in rebellion. And out of his mouth, he created the will of God. Look at this, Matthew 16. Now, this is a crucial verse right here, guys, and here's why. Depending on what translation you read, it is most times interpreted wrong. This is the NASB right here. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loose. 
Most translations say this, whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Earth does not bind or loose heaven. Earth can only bind or loose what heaven has already bound or loosed. Again, that's me seeing his reality. Seeing his reality and I come into agreement with it to partner with what he's doing in the earth. It's not just me saying things to say things, but it's me from a place of prayer, hearing his voice, and coming into agreement with it, guys. Does that make sense? It's like, I told you this before, it's like we were driving to a meeting one night, and the Lord said, there's a wreck coming, pray against it. Okay, Lord. Lord, I rebuke that wreck in Jesus' name. Got to the, got to the intersection, sure enough, head-on collision, Second car came right at my car and hit a wall and fell down. It didn't touch me. What happened? God revealed a wreck was coming. He told me to pray against it. I did that. I came to agreement. I declared what he said. And baby, we were fine. No, no, scratch. That second car should have destroyed my Jeep. Because it was a big old SUV. It's bigger than my Jeep. And that thing was coming full impact. And it hit a wall and it fell straight down. That's the power of declaration. And I'm, and I'm just learning this as I get older. I wish... What I, what I know now, I wish I had knew when I was 20 and 21. Instead of just stupid blabbing and grabbing and naming the planet, but having real biblical understanding of these principles. And not just hearing some guy on TV and talk about it and, oh, I'm going to have a new house. I'm going to have that Corvette I want. Just stupid foolishness, man. And understanding that God wants me to have words that create atmospheres that brings heaven to earth that causes my family to find freedom from every addiction, every sin, every lie, you can look at it so many different ways. So that's that thought. Let me give you the second thought about this. There is a preceding word from heaven regarding everything that is before you. Everything that is before you, there is a word from heaven. God has a word for everything you face. And it's not a past tense word. It is a right now word. Again, that's why I, I'm, I'm just telling you this. Rachel, hand me my, uh, look at my second zipper there. No, go up. You know, there you go. I have journals I keep when I pray. I got another one for the church I keep. Yes. I was in prayer Wednesday night. And by the way, Wednesday night prayer, guys, has been phenomenal. I don't know what's happening in September, and I don't bind to a lot of things. I definitely have different views on, on things than a, lot of, than a lot of people do on, on certain things, but I, let me just say this. Let me just throw this in here. There's something happening right now about prayer. And here's what the Lord spoke to me which night in prayer. He said, there's a divine download in this season to those who connect with his heart through prayer. He said, and he said, he said it was in regards to personal destiny and calling. That's why... We should always be people of prayer. But there's an open heaven for prayer in the season that God is wanting to connect us to his heart. And if you'll give it to, if you'll give yourself to that in a, in a way like you never have, he will begin to give you divine keys for your own life. That goes back to number two. There's a preceding word. I only get the preceding word from the place of prayer. Now, prayer is the birth of it. It might come from an individual. It might come from a podcast. But I'm learning is, is, is I, is I give myself to prayer like I have never had, words from the Lord begin to come, either, through, either via a podcast or an email or, or a connection I made or however. But when I give myself to posture my heart correctly, the voice of the Lord comes in many different ways. Joshua chapter 8. 
Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its kings just as you did to Jericho and its kings. You shall take only its spoil and its cattle as plunder for yourselves. Send an ambush for the city behind it. So here's the word of the Lord. It's your city, guys. Take it. Verse 18. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. Verse 26. And Joshua did not withdraw his hand from with which he stretched out the javelin until he destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Now here's what I want to suggest. Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 4 talks about the sword of the Spirit as a picture of the Word of God. I want to suggest if a sword is a picture of the Word of God, then a javelin can represent a proceeding word from God. The word of the Lord was destroy the city and keep the spirit over the city until it's destroyed. Joshua kept that thing stretched out until everything was uh, done the way the Lord said it. So people ask me, Paul, do I pray once and send in faith and give thanks, or do I pray over and over and over and over? Here's my response. You pray and you pray, but you pray in thanksgiving until that thing manifests the way God says it should. To me, praying again and again is not doubt. Lord, you said this was your will. So, Lord, I agree with your word. And if I had to pray one time or a hundred more times, buddy, I'm going to pray until the word of the Lord comes. When you know you have a word from God, you have to stand on that thing until that thing manifests, guys. You know, I think of, I think of Daniel a lot. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think of Daniel. Daniel chapter, I think, 9. And he's contending, and he's on a fast. And it says, on day one, I heard your prayer. But it was 21 days later until the angel broke through because he was withstood by the prince of Persia. What would have happened had Daniel got to day 20 and said, you know what, this isn't working for me, I'm going to quit. Would have missed out on, he would have missed out. That's why we have to set our hearts like flint and say, I have a word from God, I'm going to stay on this thing until this thing manifests. Come hell or high water, this is the word of the Lord. And even in this house, when we have a word from God and we're laying to this house, we have to stand fast. We say, this is the word of the Lord. And we will not be shaken. Even when everything happens contrary to that word, you have to decide, will you put more faith in what God has said or will you put more faith in your own personal experience? That's a good place to say amen, Paul. Amen, Paul. I'm going to buy you a steak dinner, Ken. Waffle House. By the way, Ken, I want to just say this, man. You, that encouraged me what you said, man. That was encouraging, man. Number three. Declaration starts in the unseen realm and manifests in the natural realm. Mark 11. Seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see for house. He would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for fizz. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Verse 20. And they, they came back, and as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. You know, the Bible doesn't put anything in there on accident. He tells us that the process of death started in the unseen realm. 
He spoke a word, and in the unseen realm, the roots where you couldn't see, death began to take effect. And when they came back by the next day, the tree had died. And we have to understand this, that when we speak a word, we're speaking into a realm that we cannot see. That's why we can't lose faith. Because we can't see it. And I wonder how many times we have been declaring things, standing in things, and not seeing the breakthrough because it hasn't manifested yet, and we abort what we say because we don't have faith for it. Or because we let the reality of what we're looking at be greater than the power of the Word of God. That's a thought, man. This is part of the 2.0 upgrade right here. I was just showing this Friday night. I'm like, wow, I have never saw that. That what we speak goes into the spirit realm. It's like when we do our prayer post. By the way, those prayer posts are powerful, man. Good God, I'm not, I mean, you're talking about getting rocked. Going to a region like last week in the mountain of Hayden and just beginning to declare in the realm of the spirit this and this and this and Lord, what's your word for this? And knowing that in time we will see the fruit of that word. But you know what? You don't lose heart when it's not a day or ten days. And again, I, I, I say this often here. I think part of the danger of the Western mindset is that everything in America is so fast-paced. Fast food, pay your bills online. Everything we do is so fast-paced, we don't know how to wait. Because really, honestly, as Americans, we're, we're sport in that respect of life. Hey, I called Domino's last week. Hey, bring me my Philly State sandwich. Okay, get there in 15 minutes, buddy. We don't know how to wait. And so I'm, I'm asking God to give me the grace to persevere and stay in faith. Matter of fact, let's look at verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted. Notice here that he says that who does, who does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says. There's doubt and there's speech. In other words, there's congruency there. I mean, we familiar the word congruent. Most Christians in the American church are not congruent. We say one thing with our mouth, and yet our heart is filled with so much something else. It's called being incongruent. And we wonder why we struggle with, you know, whatever we may say, but yet our heart, our heart is filled with something else. So a prayer I pray a lot is, Lord, I want to be congruent in my heart and my speech. We'll talk about that as well in a minute. Just to give you the thought, you know, Luke 1 is a story about Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, and he's in the temple, and the angel appears, and he says, you're going to be a father, and the angel has to shut the mouth of Zacharias. Because if he doesn't, Zacharias will abort the plan of the father. He does. And then, after the baby is born, they want to name the child John, which is unusual because nobody in the family is named John. And then John asks for a board, and he writes, his name is John. If he does that, his mouth is opened. Here's what I wrote down. The desire of heaven is that our hearts and mouth fully align with heaven's word in every case. The creative power of kingdom speech is found only in full agreement with heaven's word. When he came into agreement with heaven's word, it opened up his mouth. That's where creative speech comes from, guys, is when our hearts 
or fully aligned with his word. That's how come John can say his name is John and he causes his mouth to open up. You should be amen if I'm by states. That's what might get one from Ruth Chris. So we're talking about this thought for the few minutes. We were talking about just declaration. I kind of want to shift now and, and focus more now on perception. Because how you perceive is how you will declare things. So I said, it's not what you see, but by how you see. I want to just Think, I want you to think of this example. I want you to think of a little child, little girl, three, four years old. And at that young age, she begins to experience abuse. It's physical abuse, it's verbal abuse, it's emotional abuse, it's even sexual abuse at a young age. And she lives her whole life until a young teenager, and she continues to experience abuse on whatever level you may, it, it could be, okay? Gets 20s, still abuse. And finally, she breaks away. And if one day she meets the right man, she usually meets the, 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 a gentleman, okay? Now, based on her experience, most likely she is going to think in her mind, he's going to hurt me. What happened? Her perception formed her reality. Here's the truth of the matter, guys. Perception, whether it's good or bad, is reality for you. It really is. That's how come she could meet the nicest gentleman. I mean, great husband, great father, great provider. He could affirm her, love her. I mean, he could be what every woman wants in a man. But because her issues have not been dealt with, her mind says he is going to hurt me at some level. And so she begins, so she makes a self-fulfilling prophecy that you're going to hurt me. And we do it day in and day in church where we have these self-fulfilling prophecies that we, we speak all these negative words over our life. I'll never get married. I won't get a better job. Why is this happening to me? I'm going to cut you off. Not realizing we are making ourselves prisoners of our life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being funny, guys. But it, it, it really is true. It really is true how important it is. You know, I said a while ago, perception is reality. And actually, that's not the case. That is true. It really is true. But there's a greater measure than this. I remember I was reading uh, just a few weeks back, just kind of praying over... Ephesians 2, 6, and it says that you've been raised up and seated with him in heaven places. I just begin to pray, Lord, Lord I'm seated with you. I'm seated with you. I'm going to just really pray that verse and begin to, Lord, ask the Lord for insight. And the Lord said this to me. He says, he says, my reality is your perception. He wants his reality to become our perception, guys. That's beautiful. Why? Because I see everything as he sees it. It's just like at a prayer post last week. We were up on the mountain in smoke rise. I had never been up before in my life. And I had driven, I, you know, when you drive on 65, just past the Stuckies, coming back down towards the top of that exit, you can see the houses up on the mountain. But there was, I think, um, Pastor Fagan lived that. 
you know, and I had never been up there, but I remember I would always look from the road up and would see just a little bit. But when I get up on that mountain, I begin to see things I had never saw. All my life I have driven that interstate. No telling how many times, and in one moment I saw things I had never seen before. Why? Because my position had been changed. So when we learn how to access this place of, of let me just say it this way, of learning how to live in two realms at one time, because really, guys, we live in two realms at once. You live in the natural realm, you live in the spirit realm. You really do. John 3, Jesus said this, No one has ascended, but he that first descended, which is the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and says he's in heaven at the same time. There's this place, and I'm not trying to get fruity here or spooky, it's just, again, it's like what Ken said a while ago. For a lot of us in this place, it's this whole dynamic mind shift. We know pastoral model to an apostolic five-foot model. And now the thought that, wow, I can really see from heaven's reality because I'm really I'm not going there one day, I'm there now. That really is biblical. And if we position our hearts correctly, we can see from that realm. You really can. Now, that's a stretch for some people, and that's okay. There's grace to embrace that. You know, you think about a caterpillar. Ugly, ugly bug, nasty, who climbs a tree, goes out on the limb and, and, and begins to make a cocoon. And there in the place of darkness, that ugly cocoon becomes this beautiful butterfly. One of the reasons is because of the DNA. There's DNA in there already. But what most people understand is this, is that the, the, the caterpillar has a, a, a secretion out of its mouth. <laughs> out of its mouth that forms its cocoon. And what comes out of its mouth becomes a vehicle by which it's transformed. Out of your mouth is a vehicle by which you're transformed. Man, if we ever get, if we, if we ever get a hold of this, guys, we will put a guard over our mouth. We will never curse our finances again. We won't curse our kids. We won't curse our family. We won't curse our church. We won't curse our city. We will realize the power in what we say. That's why. Let me just give you some examples of perception in Scripture. Numbers 13. Verses 1 and 2. I'm going to kind of skip through these a little bit. Uh, but our vision must remain focused on that which God has promised and not the obstacle to the promise. Numbers 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give the sons of Israel. The word was there, I'm going to give you the land. You shall send a man from each of the father's tribe, every man a leader among them. What happens? They go into this, we know the story, they go in the, the field, it's a man, big grapes, milk, honey, it's just the land. It's just the place. And yet, they see the giants in the land. And they made this comment, they said, we become like grasshoppers in our own sight. I find it so interesting that the Lord said, I'm giving you the land. And yet that word never registered in their heart that they could take the giants. That word was enough to defeat the giants. Why? Because God said, the land is yours. All you have to go do is go take it. But you, you, but you see there the issue of their heart was they didn't believe the word of the Lord. And so what happens? They let the problem become bigger than the promise of God. Guys, we can never let the problem in life become bigger than God's promises or God's provision. Even with money, 
well, I can't get my money because I can't afford it. No, you've got to learn to trust God. You really do. How do you do it? You, you step out and do it. What happens if, hey, listen, I don't have any money. Go to your mom and dad's house. Or go buy some ramen noodles for 25 cents. Or buy peanut butter and jelly. I can't tell you the number of times my, my wife and I have ate peanut butter and jelly for the week for lunches. Why? Because we gave our tithe and our offerings. What happens? Big deal. Trusting God. I'm learning to trust God. I will not let the problem become bigger than God's promises to me. We're going to just kind of skip around, Nick. Um, you know, I think about this too. I think about Peter. I use this a lot as well, but I think about Peter, and he's walking on the water to the Lord. And the Bible says as long as he looked at Jesus, he, he was able to walk on the water. But the moment his eyes were off the Lord and on the storm, he began to sink. What's amazing is this. Here's what I want you to catch about this, is that Peter never walked on the water. He walked on the word spoken to him. The word gave him access to walk in a place he cannot. When Jesus speaks a word to us, it gives us authority and ability to walk in a place that we did not have in the previous season. He gives him a word in the middle of a storm. And in that word, it calls him to walk in place he could not walk at before that day. That's the power of the word, guys. That Peter's perception changed from the Lord to what was around him. He changed his perception. And when he changed the perception, he began to sink. That's why when hell breaks loose in life, what does this say? What does this say? That's why David said, I have hid your word in my heart. That I won't sin against you. David had the word in him so he wouldn't sin. Matter of fact, you remember two years ago we did a 40-day feast here? We did the binders. Remember the binders? Let me just ask you a question. Not to be judgmental, but how many in here, without raising your hand, would just say, have you went back to that binder since then? Just think about that. If you haven't, why, why haven't you? That's a great tool, man. I've only done that thing two or three times already again myself. Well, not because I'm trying to be spiritual, but I want that word in my heart. Because I know that the Bible says that when the word comes, trials will come. Testings will come. So when I have that word and something comes against that word, I want to have this so ingrained in my heart that I'm not moved. Does that make sense? Number two. I'm almost done, guys. Another 45 minutes. Thank you for laughing there. I appreciate that. Somebody got my humor. Someone's like, oh, God Almighty, it's like Lee Vaughn's here today. Oh. Amen. Number two, pawn the ship. By the way, let me just, before we go in there, you understand that when, when, when this happened with this, the spies, their perception caused everyone above 20 to die in the wilderness. Man, that's, that's heavy thought. Because they couldn't see correctly. A whole generation had to die off because of their inability to see correctly. Joshua and Caleb were the only two who said, we can do this, and everybody 20 and younger went in. Your perception affects others. That's why as our leadership team in here grows, we have to have the, the word of the Lord, the blueprint of heaven. Why? Because it affects you. 
been on the pulpit. I'll clean that tomorrow. It does. It changes everything. Matter of fact, number two, Paul on the ship. Paul's on the ship, and it's a vast storm in Acts 27. It's on the screen. And the angel comes to Paul and says, no life will be lost. And Paul declares, stay on the ship and you'll live. If you leave the ship, you're going to die. Paul perceived correctly and all lives were spared. Again, the point is this. People's lives were saved because of Paul's ability to perceive correctly. Number three. Abraham. Abraham's name was changed to Abraham. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer should your name be called Abraham, but your name should be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. It's interesting here that when God does this, Abraham, Abraham has no kids. There is no kid in the picture yet. And yet God changes his name to match the calling. God changed his name to match the calling instead of matching the calling to match his name. Because his name meant father of altitude. But he says, now you're a father of many nations. I love that because of the, how God begins to declare that even when there's no kids, you're the father of nations. So good. So good. Matter of fact, let's just look at this. Uh, Romans 4, it's on the screen too. If you have, and Nick, can you throw up Romans 4? Can you, you're pretty computer savvy about there, buddy. Uh, Romans 4, Nick. Uh, verse 17, I think. What'd you say, Mark? R O N. R O man. 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 You got anything besides the NIV? I'm kidding, that's fine. I'll read from the NIV. As it was written, I have made your father of many nations. He is our father and the son of God in whom he believes the God who gives life to the dead and calls him to be in that which is not it. Well, not. Next verse. That's, that's 18. Well, I'm going to read a few verses here, Nick. Have you, have you? I'll just read this. Okay. In hope against hope, he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Here's what I want you to catch. Verse 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead. He knew that in his flesh there was nothing. He knew his body was dead. And here's what I want to say, because this needs to be said. I believe in confession. I'm preaching it. But I believe that there is a side of confession that's very skewed, and it's this. is that we get in fear and we call it faith. But I know people who, when they're sick, and you ask them, how are you? I'm healed. Really? Your nose is running. You have a fever. You're coughing your lungs up. You're sick. And I understand confession. I understand being positive. But here's what I want you to catch. Jesus never denied sickness. Faith does not deny anything. 
faith denies the right for it to exist. That's the big difference. I remember this one girl from my, from my old church. She was that way. I mean, she could have pneumonia and be on oxygen. Bless God, I'm healed. Bless God, I'm good. I'm like, you're in the hospital. And I see you. What happens? She's in such fear for this. You understand that this? You understand that fear is really faith contaminated. That's how kind of people can say, I've heard people do this. They make all these bad decrees over their life. I'm going to die young, I'm going to die young, I'm going to die young. What happens? They, they die young. They don't understand what they say. They don't, they don't know how to set a guard over their lips, guys. And Abraham here, he covered his own body good as dead. And yet, he was in faith. Matter of fact, you go back to Genesis 22. He tells the people with him, he says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. It's amazing. God told him to take your son and kill him. And he says, I'm going to go worship with my son, and we'll come back. Talk about faith. Why? How does he do that? Because he had a word from God that in Isaac your seed shall be blessed. Even in the midst of about to kill his son, he had a word from God that says, your son's going to live. I don't understand that. I don't understand how that worked, but God, I don't want that kind of faith in my life that when death is before me, I will remember the word of the Lord and say, this is the word of the Lord. Amen, Paul. That's a good, I mean, that really is a good word right there, man. I mean, you think, what if, what if Mark took little Cole, his little grandson, his little son, take your son and kill him? Man, or Ken, take your kids or Rachel, or whatever, the, the extreme heartache. Especially for Abraham. You've been away for 25 years, dude. I mean, you have been waiting a lifetime. And now, the one thing you have wanted is about to be taken from you. And yet, Abraham was so secure in the word of the Lord. God, I pray we'd have that grace in our lives, but we would be so secure in what God says that we would not be moved. Last thought. Jacob changes his son's name. All right. That's all good. Jacob. Genesis 35. I love this one. Again, just build this point out again. Jacob is about to have a, a son. Rachel's giving birth to the son. As she's giving birth, she dies. And before she dies, she names the son Benoni. The name Benoni means son of my sorrows. She names her son according to what she's going through in life. Now, it's so interesting thing about this. Jacob, three chapters earlier, just got a name change. From Jacob to Israel. Jacob, the name Jacob meant deceiver, schemer. But God changed his name to Israel, a prince with God and man. So God changed his name to change his identity. And so when Rachel names the child Ben and I, he says, Nope, your name's not Ben and I. Your name's Benjamin. The word Benjamin means sin on my right hand. Jesus is the king of kings who sits at the right hand of God. It's interesting that the majority of the kings of Israel came out of the tribe of Benjamin. So in, the, in that one moment, by changing his name, he set off his prophetic purpose in life. Almost done. 
One scripture and two thoughts and a quick story will be done. This command I entrust you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previous made concerning you that by them you fight the good fight. You take the word of the Lord and you fight the good fight. The prophetic is one of the tools that God desires to use by which the framework of your perception is formed for your intended purpose. The examples above are all prophetic promises. While they may speak to different areas of life, they are still prophetic in nature and thereby carry with them a creative ability that when partnered with opens up the promises of God to us. Take a story. We'll be done. Last year, we were getting ready to go to Nicaragua. I've been trying to raise money. Can't raise money. And uh, I remember calling Mike Adams for some reason. I, I, I did some inner healing that night a few weeks after this all happened. And I was telling Mike, I said, you know, man, we're just trying to raise up the money. He goes, man, you know, he just, just ask the father to come sit in his lap and ask him the money. I said, cool. So I came in here and I sat in that chair and I said, Lord, I just, I need the money. And also I went to this encounter and I saw this room that I never had been in and there was a, there was a burlap sack and it said Nicaragua on it and it was tied with a piece of rope. I said, you're going to provide the Lord for the money for the trip. That was a Monday morning. About an hour and a half later, I got a phone call from a guy who said, I'm going to give you 500 bucks for your trip. I only needed 1250 Really, you know, cheap ticket, 750 hotel was 450 so 200 bucks. Really, really easy trip to go. So 500 bucks, bam, there it is. Next, uh, that was Monday, Saturday, somebody's going out of town on vacation. They called me. Hey, I got some money for you in my house. It's on the, the screen door. Go get it. I'm thinking 50 bucks. Check, 250 bucks. That was my, I bought my airline ticket that day. In one week, my money for my ticket came in just because I was declaring the word of the Lord. Would you, I just declare, I declare, I declare. Long story short, I still need money enough for the hotels. I remember I, I called Adner. I said, Adner, I don't have my money yet, so you may have a roommate. He goes, okay. Because <laughs> he was going, it was, it was me and him and my cat was going. I was like, you know, they don't have the money. I'll room for one of you guys. I'll sleep on the floor. And uh, so a little bit of money came in between now and then. I said, I need like 300 bucks. And I'm leaving for the airport that day. And the person who takes me says, I was praying this morning. I was going to give you some money. And the Lord said, it wasn't enough. And they went by the ATM and they gave me $300 cash. So I went to the airport and I called Mike Adam and said, every penny came in. Here's what I want you to know about declaration. Some days we just have to stand and declare the word of the Lord. For that instance, all I had to do was stand and declare. There's other times though the Lord has shown me things that I'm, I'm doing two things with. I'm declaring the word of the Lord, but I'm also asking the Lord, what's, how can I make this happen? What can I do in faith? So sometimes we declare and we stand. You know, Paul says, when having an all to stand, you stand. Some days we just stand through declaration. But sometimes, guys, I don't want us to think we just declare things. Lord, what can I do to make this feasible? Like going on trips. Like I'm going to go to Ken that's your radio. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just a Ken trip lined up. What can I do now, Lord, to raise the money? I'm going to declare it. It's coming. Money's coming. It's coming. But what can I do as well to agree with the word of the Lord? James says, your tongue is a rudder. He says, death and life is on top of tongue. So I just want to challenge you this week, before you speak anything, to ask how you see what you're seeing. 
Are you seeing through the, your own eyes? Are you seeing through your past hurts? Are you seeing through some answers experience? Or are you seeing from heaven's reality? Because I assure you, God wants you to see from his reality about everything. You know, 